Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello and welcome to Talking in Circles. John Harlow, Clayton Caldwell. Clayton's having a little technical issues on his end. We want to talk to you tonight about the final weekend of the season, Ford Championship weekend. We have three new champions, Martin Truex Jr. in Cup, William Byron in the Xfinity Series, and Christopher Bell in the Camping World Truck Series. We'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280. It's Talking in Circles. Um, great race at Homestead um, for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship. You had three of the four contenders at one, two, and four. All four of them were up front throughout the day. And Brad Keselowski just didn't have enough to get it together at the end. Um, Martin Truex with the big win. Um, and he struggled. His pit crew had a, a couple stops where they came in in fourth, went back out in eighth. But when they hit that final money stop with about 35 to go, they got Truex back out front. Great restart to get started. Uh, Kyle Busch just couldn't get caught up to get to him. And uh, earlier in the race, he Kyle Busch was griping about Joey Logano blocking him every chance he could. Kevin Harvick, during one of the runs, it looked like he was going to have one of those Texas races where he could actually pass Truex, which I think he's about the only person who did it on a green flag run this year, but wound up getting a hole in the uh, bumper, having an equalized tire, wound up finishing fourth. But Martin Truex Jr. is your NASCAR. Also in the race Sunday, a couple things we saw. We saw the final race for Dale Earnhardt Jr., and a impromptu party on pit road with him and his crew. Um, the final race for Matt Kenseth. Both of them should end up being in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And we saw the final regular season, I mean, the final appearance at Stuart Haas Racing for Danica Patrick. And we're expecting one more race from her. She made a big announcement on Friday where she said she will run the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500 in 2018. Um Speculation is she'll be doing it for Chip Ganassi because Chip Ganassi has the ability to run a third car. They only have two in um, NASCAR, and he also has the ability to run another car at Indy. So it'd be really nice for them to end up getting a um, one owner to take care of things when it comes to Danica. So some of the big stories over the weekend, you, you had the championships in all three series. Kenseth last race. Um, Dale Jr.'s last race. And I think Dale Jr. in his last race, he uh, wanted to finish the race. That was what he kept saying all weekend. He was a couple laps down, wound up hitting the wall at one point. Just, I mean, one of the scrapers, he was running up top toward the end. But it didn't damage the car that much. He wound up finishing a couple laps down because he had a tire issue where he kept leaking air. 
but his main goal was to finish the race. And you saw the impromptu Bud Light coming out on the pit road with him and his crew chief. I mean, him and his crew having a good party on pit road. But he had a deal with Rick Hendrick that if Dale Jr. brought the car back home in one piece, Dale Jr. got the car. And if he brought the car home in one piece and he gets the car, Rick Hendrick gets the helmet from his final race. And you saw the appreciation for both of them there on pit time for Rick Hendrick and Rick Hendrick came along at the right time for Dale Jr. Dale Jr. lost his father in 2001 at Daytona and Rick Hendrick lost his son Ricky in the plane crash before Martinsville and it just worked out perfect that Dale Jr. even said it he Rick Hendrick has been like a father to him as he's grown through the years and Rick Hendrick said Dale Jr. has been like a son to him and you saw the crowd go crazy Um, anytime Jr. did anything all day long And it was a great fitting tribute to somebody who's been a fantastic ambassador of the sport. Dale Jr. wasn't his dad and never tried to be. Um, He ran everybody pretty clean. Dale Dale Sr. would knock you out of the way. He'd knock his mother out of the way to win the race. Dale Jr. would end up taking a fifth-place finish if that's what his car had. He didn't want to end up making enemies on the track. Dale Jr. is one of the most beloved racers we've had in a long time. And if you look back, the controversy earlier in the year where Harvick said, hey, our popular and how does that really do for the sport? When you have Jimmy Johnson, who's a seven-time champion, and he's basically milk toast, and if he takes the lead, people boo, people, a few people cheer, not that much. When Junior makes a move and gets in the lead, everybody goes bananas. So that was one of the big stories of the day. Matt Kenseth running his final race for Joe Gibbs Racing. He's going to end up going hunting, watching the Green Bay Packers, and he says, I'll probably go to some gymnastics meets because his daughters are in gymnastics. And him and Katie have a baby on the way. Not having a ride in 2018 is a crime. Uh, Clayton and I have both talked about this throughout the season. Um, and it just is sad that you have a guy who's won 39 races. He won at Phoenix. So that means he can still wheel a car, but there's no room for him at the end. It's getting to the point where NASCAR has started to turn into IndyCar, where if you can buy a ride, you're in. Um, We look further down the road, we have sponsor issues coming up, but it looks like Clayton has finally joined us, and thank you, Clayton. Welcome back to our show, Talking in Circles. Uh, for the past couple minutes, talked about a little bit of everything on the Cup Series. We talked about Truex winning the race, Kyle Busch griping that Joey Logano was in the way, Harvick um, saying he had a great car until uh, they had the hole in the bumper and um, had the equalized tire, and Junior and Kenseth's last race. Yeah, listen, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a memorable weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. There's no doubt about that. And Clayton, um, you know, I think – yeah, I was there. You know, it was it was a memorable weekend. It was a great weekend. Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, and and it's something that when um, you know when I think back back at this weekend, the first thing I think about is Martin Truex Jr. I think he's a guy who deserved to win the championship. He had far and away the best team, the best cars all year long. I mean, he was fast uh, from from the get go. Even last year, you know, he's been the this team is this seventy eight team has been the best team in racing since you know the middle May of last year, really. And um, I think when you look at it from that standpoint. You have to sit there and say, what's going on here um, as far as the championship? Uh, and he came in there and won it, and he did a great job. And 
all three champions this weekend, John, Byron, Christopher Bell, and Martin Truex Jr., they all were the best teams throughout the, throughout the entire year. So it was a very, um, you know, as much as people complain about this format and complain about, um, you know, one, one race determining the championship, in my opinion, the, four, the three drivers who should have won a championship had won a championship because they were the best teams all year. Yeah, without a doubt. Christopher Bell dominated in the truck series, William Byron in the Xfinity series. We'll talk about that later. But Truex, um, and Keselowski talked about it after the race, where he said, Barney Visser schooled the folks at NASCAR how to build a team. And he does it out of Denver, Colorado. It's a You don't even know it's a race shop by the looking at it. It just looks like some plain old story. Get their parts and everything from Joe Gibbs. And then they have a crew of engineers that just massage the living crap out of that those two cars, and next you'll be down to one. But they work hard on those cars back in Denver, Colorado. I mean, they get Joe Gibbs technology, Joe Gibbs equipment. They get the t- TRD engine. But they have a crew that just works like crazy on it. And whenever Martin Truex Jr. first went to Furniture Row Racing, and he talked about it a lot on Sunday night after the race. He thought his career was over because of the uh, spin gate at Richmond, which he had absolutely nothing to do with. Um, but whenever that happened, he lost his ride at Michael Waltrip racing because Napa pulled out of the sport. And thankfully for Truex, Kurt Busch saw greener pastures going to Stuart Haas racing. And the ride opened up And the first year, Martin Truex jr. Was at uh, furniture row racing. They were junk. They were terrible. And during that year, Sherry Pollock's got cancer. And Barney Visser, God bless him, and I hope he has a speedy recovery as he's recovering from heart surgery. But Barney Visser told Martin Truex Jr. basically, hey, your ride is here next year. If you want to take the rest of the year off to be with your girlfriend who's going through ovarian cancer, we'll put somebody in and they'll finish, finish the season. You have the ride next year. And Truex used it as sort of his escape, his uh, safe place while him and Sherry were dealing with her cancer. They built the team great out there. And when Cole Pern and Martin Truex Jr. got together, Truex said, Cole taught me a little bit of how to drive, and I taught Cole a little bit how to get the car ready for me. And they just clicked. In the last year and a half, like you said, since the Coke 600 last year, where he stunk up the show more than anybody I've ever seen. You take out that blown engine they have at Talladega during the chase last year, he might be a back-to-back champion. That's how good that team's been. Listen, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, you know, Brad Kislowski made some interesting uh, comments as far as um, what what he thinks about next year and what he thought about this year and what he thinks about next year with Ford. Uh, you know, saying that Ford never really stood a chance. He felt like it was Formula One. Uh, that Toyota had a significant advantage this year with the way they built their race cars, with the way they uh, built this 2018 uh, Toyota Camry that they had, they had a significant advantage throughout the year, and Ford didn't stand a chance. That's basically what uh, Kozlowski said in in his post-race press conference, and basically said that if Ford doesn't make any changes to their car next year, they're going to get destroyed again. So, um, you know, it makes you wonder, what does Toyota have in store for next year? What does this team have in store for next year? But with that being said, it shouldn't take away anything Martin Truex Jr. and that 78 team did because even against all the Toyota teams, they still whipped them all. So they're doing something obviously different and, and better than any other team in the sport because 
you know, it's not like Kyle Busch is going out there and they're, they're you know, alternating wins every now and then. They're going out there and they're winning as many as many races as possible. Truex won eight races this year, which was more than any time he had in his career prior combined to that. So it was a, a huge year for him, a huge year. Uh, and, and to go out there and win, and I'll tell you, throughout that race at Homestead, it didn't look like Truex was going to win uh, early on in that race. That car was off a little bit. I think clean air, once he got into clean air, I think the 78 team, that Toyota team, knows how good clean air is, how important it is. Uh, they had a great pit stop to get him out towards the front. Uh, once he got the clean air, it was tough to pass him. But, um, you know, they worked on their car and also got it handling a little bit better. That was key as well. So that team, uh, throughout the race, it looked early, John, that they weren't going to be a uh, championship contender. That Kyle Busch uh, and Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick were going to be the guys that um, were going to win the championship. And it turned out to be Truex winning the race and winning the championship. Uh, and the other guys faded, especially Harvick and, and Keselowski. I think the fours, as the night got, I think they uh, built their car. Their cars were, you know, uh, hand, were built for handling in the daytime. Once the sun went down, it looked like Harvick's car went away, and so did Keselowski. Well, Harvick said after the race that they wound up getting a hole in the front end, which they could never get the handling back to it after they got the hole in the front. Uh, Keselowski, yeah, he he uh, faded whenever it got to when the when the dark hit. I think the big turning point of the race, though, I mean, Truex, like you said, you still always had the feeling he was going to find his way up front, even though he was struggling seventh, eighth, the first half of the race. And Kyle Busch was the best car on the track Sunday, no doubt about it. Kyle Busch was the best car on the track Sunday. He just wasn't able to seal the deal. And they had a strategy where him and um, Adam, Adam Stevens had the bright idea that they were going to pit early. And if they had a green flag run, which they had a couple really long green flag runs there, they figured they'd get to the point where they would go and try to make it on one more stop. And when they made that pit stop and they knew that Harvick and Truex and Keselowski had to pit, and they were set to win that race until Kyle's brother, Kurt, spun. And when Kurt Busch spun, brought out the yellow with 35 to go, everybody was back on the clean cycle. And Truex got a great jump on the green on the drop of the green. But Truex said flat out, they were better than me on a long run. He just found the lane. You saw it uh, by being there, Clayton. The it was about three-quarters of the way up the track. He wasn't up against the wall. He wasn't on the bottom. But he had enough where he was at where he could mess the air up for those who were going high and those going low and keep himself out front. And he said, I just kept searching and searching. I found the spot where I could take the air off of them. And that wound up keeping us up in front for the last 34 laps of the race. It was yeah, a fantastic it, day by that group. Yeah, it was. And it's it just shows you how far Truex has come. As a driver, and you have to wonder, you know, he was never really put in a great ride early in his career. Um, you know, obviously, DEI, he was there toward the tail end of that team. Uh, and then Michael Waltrip, he was there sort of when that team was building themselves up. Enjoyed a little bit of success. I mean, I remember a couple of times in that Napa car, he finished second, a close second, and, and just could never find victory lane there. And then all of a sudden, Spingate happened. Uh, right when that team was hitting its stride, they had the Spingate ordeal. He was on the, on the real, um, you know, real bad end of that where he made the chase originally. Then they took him out of the chase after Spingate. Um, and it was just so unfortunate what happened. Then he lost Napa and it looked like Truex's career was going to be, a, you know, taking a halt, a halt there for a little while. Like you said, got the furniture racing. 
um, struggled his first year there, and the second year they were great. They got Cole Pern. Then they moved to Toyota with Joe Gibbs Racing, and they've taken off. And, you know, here they are. And it just shows you how far Truex has come. I, I don't think you can, you can state um, just how impressive that 78 car has been the last year and a half. Uh, another team I thought was pretty impressive on Sunday was Kyle Larson. They led 145 laps. He finished in the third spot. I think they kind of, you know, again, another car that I think was better in the daytime than it was when the sun went down. Uh, but still a very impressive day for them. I thought Larson, you know, leading 145 laps up there, he was, you know, the first two stages, he was kicking everybody's tail in there for a while. Um, and then, you know, when the sun went down, he lost some positions there. But I thought Larson had a great race. You know, Harvick ran pretty good. Chase ran all right. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they pay for the final finishing positions, and, and that's what it was. But, you know, Larson was a guy who had a really tough year this year. Um, you know, that was a that was a tough way to go out, the way he lost the championship, um, you know, blowing his engine there. And I, I wanted to see how he rebounded from that. And I thought he ran pretty good. Um, you know, and a third-place run at Homestead, he seems like he always has a good car at Homestead, and he can never close the deal, and it was that way again on Sunday. I think one of the things, and I think uh, if I remember right, um, Steve Letarte brought it up during the race. He was wondering if Kyle Larson just hung back and let Truex and um, Kyle Busch battle it out. Because in the last 15 laps, it seemed like Kyle, Kyle Larson was the fastest car on the track. And he just never tried to pass Kyle, Kyle Busch. He figured he'd let the top two, because they were battling for a championship, he'd let them fight it out and not get in the way. And that's a class move on Kyle Larson's part, if that's what he did. But, I mean, the last 15 laps of the race, that car was flying. I mean, he caught Harvick and put him away. And he got to Kyle Busch's bumper so fast that I thought he was going to come up and take the, take the win away from the two of them. But when he got to Kyle Busch's bumper, it's almost like he backed off and said, okay, let me watch this show because I've got the best seat in the house. Um, four DNFs in a row for Larson before uh, Homestead kind of put a sad damper on his season because when we talked going into the playoffs, it was Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex, and who might be the fourth. And then all the bad luck happened all at once to Kyle Larson. It's like he could not get out of his own way where he had engine failures. And he said, I mean, he blew two engines in the last two years, and he blew three in a row, or three this, three this year, which hurt his chance of winning a championship. As a matter of fact, it cost him the championship. And – I think if Kyle Larson was in the final four, and I think we learned Sunday that if Kyle Larson makes the final four next year, you can almost etch his name on the Monster Energy Championship trophy. No doubt about it. I think he uh, is a favorite heading into the 2018 season. You know, Truex, it was a popular championship, uh, you know, with everything that went on with his girlfriend Sherry and everything that's gone on um, in his life and his career. You know, we talked about Spingate. Uh, it's just been a long haul and a long road for Martin Truex Jr. He talked about that, John, on the championship stage on Sunday. I've learned along the way that, um, you know, God has a plan. You never know what it's going to be, and uh, sometimes it's your time. This year felt like our year. Everything just yeah. it went the way we needed it to go. We worked hard. We worked our butts off to get here. But, you know, at the end of the day, there there is a higher power. Um, and... Uh, you know, we just we worked hard. We had faith in each other. We had each other's backs through thick and thin, no matter what it was. And uh, 
I'm just so thankful for Barney and his team and what he's built and, and believing in me, you know, four years ago when we were just awful. And uh, Cole Pern and what he's built, Jazzy, my engineer, Pete, our other engineer, all the road guys, Blake, our car chief, just the whole team. I can't tell you. It's just a big, big family. And um, it just was meant to be, I guess. You know, I, I there was a there was a long time in this race where I was like, Man, this is tough. I don't know how we're going to get better, but I just kept digging. I just kept digging and telling him what I needed. And Cole made the decision to change his pitch strategy. Caution comes out, we get the lead, and then it's like, all right, it's in my hands. I got to find it. And uh, they were catching me. You know, they were better than me in the long run all night long, all night long. And I found something. I just, I told you earlier, I was yeah. going to find something I didn't know if it was if it was there or not, but I went and looked for it and I found it, and uh, unbelievable. That was a true. That was tricks on championship stage, John. What did to say about those comments? I mean, he, it's such a popular win. He's such a nice guy. Everybody talks about how good of a guy he is, you know. And, and like I said, with Sherry Pollock's with, with ovarian cancer, you mentioned that earlier uh, with that whole story. It, it's a feel really feel good championship story. Uh, Martin Sturks Jr. this year. Yeah, Martin even took time uh, during his interviews after the race to say how cool it was that he won his championship on Dale Jr.'s final race. And he said flat out, I don't know if I'd be here if not for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Because Dale Jr. put him in the Chance 2 Motorsports car that was partnered between Jr. and Teresa Earnhardt, and they won two Xfinity championships. And then they moved up to... uh, the cup series driving the number one car with bass pro shops on. I mean, one of the things you look at that team has just continued to grow and get better. And as Keselowski said, after the race, Barney Visser taught some people how to build a race team. Cause you look at it three years ago, Truex was in the final four at Homestead using Richard Childress equipment. And he was better than any of Childress's cars. And mm-hmm. then they go to Toyota, and he wins a championship using Joe Gibbs' equipment, and they beat all of Joe Gibbs' stuff. So what Barney Visser has done out there, and it made it even more special because you could see the love between Martin and Sherry and Victory Lane. You could see the relief that they had because for the past three years, they past four years, Sherry's been fighting for her life. And Martin's been there for, and then you have just before a couple weeks before they go to Homestead, the owner of the team, Barney Visser has a heart attack and has heart surgery and isn't able to be there. And it was even more fitting that Johnny Morris from Bass Pro Shops, who was Martin Truex's first sponsor. And whenever Tony Stewart started going away from the series, um, Johnny Morris went back to Martin Truex Jr. He's sponsoring the 78 car. And who's on the hood of the 78 car whenever they go to Victory Lane to celebrate a cup championship? Johnny Morris from Bass Pro Shops. So it, everything sort of came full circle. You had Junior come and congratulate Martin Truex Jr. in Victory Lane. You had Johnny Morris there. You had everybody thinking about Barney Visser, who's recovering from his heart surgery. And you had Sherry Pollock there, who was an inspiration to so many. Yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier Junior, who ran his final NASCAR Cup Series race on Sunday, as well as Matt Kenseth did. Um, you know, Kenseth ended up eighth. He ran in the top ten for most of the day. Had a pretty good day. Dale Jr. struggled a lot. You know, through the first two stages, he was 
you know, no, no better than a 20th place car. Then when the sun went down, he found something, got up to about 15, 14 spot, was really uh, a fa- really fast race car. You could visibly see it there at the racetrack, how fast the 88 car all of a sudden just found something. And then he hit the wall, pushing a little too hard, blew a tire, ended up in the 25th. Uh, and ended a tough year for Junior, who ended up 21st in points. Uh, you know, obviously retiring because of, of – Head injuries, I don't think there was any doubt about that. That was part of the reason why he's retiring. Had eight top tens on the year, one top five on the year. Um, you know, only led, only led uh, 47 laps, like I said, 21st in the standings. A tough year for him, but, you know, you talk about the relationship between Truex and Junior. Uh, you know, he gave Truex his, his start, and that, that was a, a feel-good championship for Dale Earnhardt Jr., who talked about it on Sunday as well. It's so good to see him uh, win this title. He is a uh, he's a professional and a gentleman and uh, just a perfect friend. We've been pals a long, long time. I was glad to have uh, a hand in getting his career going. I can't take all the credit. Richie Gilmore also was a big part of that. But uh, he's just such a great guy. I told him, I said, man, we're going to have fun in Vegas celebrating your championship. <laughs> I am so proud of him. That was Junior talking about Martin Truex Jr.'s championship. And, listen, that's great to hear. It just, again, it reemphasizes the fact that Martin Truex Jr. is a good guy and a great champion. Um, so let's talk about Dale Earnhardt Jr. there. John, as, as he, you know, we played his comments there and sort of leads us into his night there at Homestead Miami Speedway. Matt Kenseth as well. Um, he struggled. You know, there's no doubt about it. It was a, an emotional day for Junior Nation, I think. Uh, you know, it was a, a big day. The car was painted like his 1999 car, the Budweiser car. Uh, it looked good, especially in the backstretch. When you were sitting in the stands and you saw that car in the backstretch from a distance, it really did look like his car from 1999. Uh, you know, all it needed was another eight on it and a, and a little bit of a different um, font, and it would have looked identical. So it really did look like that. Um, but, again, it wasn't a great race. It was sort of like how that, his entire 2017 season went where, you know, they didn't really have a whole lot of speed in that 88 car, especially in the lot of half tracks. Um, and it was just a, a pretty disappointing day. You know, he ended the season pretty strong, you know, with uh, 7th at Dover, 7th at Talladega, 7th at Kansas, 10th at Phoenix. Um, but it wasn't a great day at Homestead for him. And, uh, you know, his final race has now been run. Uh, what were your thoughts on the whole day with Dale Earnhardt Jr. there, John? Um, I think Jr. ran the way he did all season. And you and I have talked about it on the show a few times during the year. I don't think it was that Jr. checked out. I think there was a little bit of Jr.'s gun shy. Um, they have a baby on the way, him and uh, Amy. And I think he wants to be a dad and a family man, and I don't think he wants his brain all messed up. And – enough concussions and you end up it's not that you're not the same person and i think he wants his wits about him i think he wants to be a good dad to his uh daughter that's on the way he wants to be a good husband to amy um him and kelly have built a pretty good dynasty there with the help of rick hendrick in the xfinity series um he's got the world in front of him and he's going to be in the booth next year for nbc and he even talked about it during the week he said I wanted to find a way to stay in the sport. And he said, when I got my concussion last year, I stayed in the sport up to the booth and I fell in love with being up in the booth. 
I get to still be in the sport. I get to talk about the sport. I get to be passionate about the sport. I get to inform people of what goes into this. I think it's a perfect fit for what Dale Jr. is going to do. Um, it was a it was a subpar day for. But then again, Hendrick Motorsports has been subpar all season long. I mean, look how bad Jimmy Johnson ran. Um, Chase Elliott was the lead dog for Hendrick Motorsports all season long. Casey Kane was an afterthought on Sunday. I don't think Junior, I think the tire issues that he had, but once it got night and he got to be able to go up in the high groove, Junior was Junior for a little while. And then he wound up getting a little too close to the wall and Junior was back to being 25th. But his legacy in the sport isn't behind the wheel. I think he was a decent driver. He wasn't his dad. And I think if he was Dale Smith, he, everybody would look at him as like he was somebody special because you don't go out and win 29 cup races just because you're some flash in the pan. He was a good race car driver. Was he one of the greats? Yeah, that's debatable. But he was a phenomenal ambassador of the sport. He, became, he went from being the shy kid who, anytime he did an interview, his face was sort of pointing down. His original answers were yes, no, okay, maybe. He, it was, he was the king of one-word answers for a while. But as he grew into, the, grew into manhood and grew into the sport and um, matured more and spent more time with Rick Hendrick and the group over there at Hendrick Motorsports, you saw a new Dale Jr., where he was an eloquent spokesperson for the sport. And that's what I think his legacy is going to be. I think he came in at the right time, especially when we lost Dale Sr. Um, there was a lot of people that needed somebody to pull for, so they, they hitched onto the junior wagon. And you don't become 14-time most popular driver in NASCAR unless there's some reason for people to like you. And he, he was the good old boy who everybody, he was aw shucks, um, just somebody everybody could relate to. He's got more money than you, me, um, Rick Ware, half the back-to-the-pack owners will ever have. He's got more money than all of us, but you'd never know it. He just, the guy in the Wranglers and a T-shirt and a hat on, growing his beard, just happy to be there and thankful for the career that he had. And I think that's Junior's legacy, and I think it's going to continue to grow for, for even more as he goes into the broadcast booth and shares his love of the sport with the casual fan. Namaste. 889-8280 here talking <laughs> circles. Clayton Coldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight talking about Ford Championship Weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last race, Mac Kenseth's last race. A little later we're going to dive into Danica Patrick's future. Uh, she gave her plans for her 2018 season and beyond. We'll dive into that as well. NASCAR made some rule changes today. We'll talk about that later on the show as well. Uh, a little bit of silly season news. And Brian Francis said in sport address. All that's coming up still here on Talking Circle Special Edition tonight as we're breaking down Ford Championship Weekend. Still breaking down the Ford EcoBoost 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway and the NASCAR Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship run there. Um, let's talk about Matt Kenseth here for a little bit, John. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, we talked about it a lot last week, so we don't have to dive too deep into it. But a guy who, I mean, it's a crying shame he's not going to have a ride. Won at Phoenix last weekend. 
had a very good race this weekend. You know, you look at Matt Kenseth, he ended up this year in points. He finished seventh in points this year. Uh, and he, the sad part is he doesn't want to leave, you know, but he's on his way out at the end of the year. Um, at least that's the way it looks right now. And we'll I'll discuss a little bit during a silly season segment as, as there could still be a possibility Kenseth might race next year, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. But um, what are your thoughts on Kenseth? Listen, this is a guy who, again, 39 career wins. I think he's a first ballot, no doubt, Hall of Famer, a 2003 champion. Um, real quick, just give us your thoughts on Matt Kenseth's stay at Homestead Miami Speedway. Well, if uh, Dale Jr. was to popularity, Matt Kenseth was to stability. Um, Matt Kenseth was always there. He may not have won as much as Kyle Busch is going to win or as much as Tony Stewart won or Jeff Gordon or all those. Ken, Matt Kenseth was always there. From the minute he strapped into the 94 of Bill Elliott at Dover to fill in when Bill Elliott's father passed away, you knew this guy was going to be good. I mean, him and Junior were one, two, the, the Bush series. They were one, two, both years. And Kenseth came up to Roush and went cup racing the same time Junior came up to DEI. And what a lot of people forget is Matt Kenseth won the Rookie of the Year that year, not Dale Jr. Uh, Matt Kenseth got to victory lane before Dale Jr. did. Um, Matt Kenseth, if you listen to Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, Matt Kenseth made Joe Gibbs racing better when he got there because he understood the chassis. He understood the cars. He understood how to drive certain tracks. And when him and Jason Radcliffe got together that first year, what they win seven, eight races and they were phenomenal together. The one thing that Matt Kenseth has done is make every team he was a part of better. Robbie Reiser was just a has been or wannabe whenever he pulled Matt Kenseth out of Wisconsin and put him in his uh, Bush car. And they started winning races together. And then Jack Rouse said, okay, I'll put you guys in our stuff and you guys even go further. And Matt Kenseth stayed at Roush whenever everybody was thinking about bailing and stayed there with lack of sponsorship. I mean, you look the one year when DeWalt left, they had Crown Royal for a few races, but there was a lot of times Matt Kenseth had Ford on the car. And when he came to Joe Gibbs Racing, he made that team better. And it's a sad state that Matt Kenseth is not going to be cup racing as of right now in 2018. I think one of the things that um, over the past few years we've been starting to see at Homestead, it's sad, but it's a really cool picture every time they do it. They had Jeff Gordon in his car and his team around the car for his last race. They did the same thing with Tony Stewart last year. Um, And Dale Jr. showed the class act that he is because everything that they wanted done for him at Homestead Miami Speedway, he wanted the same thing with Matt. He, he wouldn't do it without Matt Kenseth. Whenever they wanted, uh, I missed the, the pace lap, but Junior was saying, if I'm going to be up there leading the race, I want Matt Kenseth up there on the parade lap too. I'm not sure if he did it. I missed that part, but yeah. Junior was he wanted that. Um, whenever they did the picture of Junior's car at the front of the, at, at the uh, beginning of pit road with the team around it, they did a picture with Junior's car and Matt Kenseth's car and both teams together. Because they came in together, they're going out together. And that's a class act. Yeah, listen, I mean, 
There's no doubt about that. And they had uh, their cars picked, parked together on the grid at Junior's request as well, where they had Junior's car, uh, you know, usually they parked the cars in where they qualified, and Junior would have been 24th, but they had him at the rear of the field all by itself. And he wanted Kenseth's car there as well, and that's where Kenseth went as well. Uh, their car was set up on the grid together. Um, and, and it was great to see. It was great to see. It was sad in a way because, you know, you're losing two, two drivers who have uh, been here a long time uh, and had a lot of success in their own certain ways. Um, and it's just, it was it was a sad day there for sure. But, you know, I think Matt Kenseth, um, I, I can't say enough good words about how much I think he is talent-wise, talent how good he is talent-wise. And, uh, you know, if he is indeed done, and, again, there is a scenario, I believe, that he might be able to run uh, next year. Um, if he is indeed done, you know, he had a heck of a career, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280, talking circles, Clayton Cole, John Harlow. John, real quick, um, you know, Homestead's a great racetrack. I thought it was a good race, good racing what we saw on Sunday. A lot of people complained about it, saying it was stretched out. Um, what were your thoughts on the racing at Homestead Miami Speedway before we moved to the Xfinity Series Championship? I think it's been better. Um, the I still say the best I ever saw, one of the best races I ever watched was Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards battling for that championship. Um, I think it was a good race. I think it it did stretch out a little too much. I think aerodynamics, which you and I have griped and moaned and complained about for years, um, has um, taken over too much, and that caused sort of the thing. And I think it, the top groove didn't come in as fast as normal. Usually the you have Kyle Larson up there up against the wall all day, and then four or five people will follow, and you get three lanes of traffic. You get someone in the middle, you get someone on the white line, you get someone up top. And as the run went on, more people would climb to the top. This race, it seemed like the bottom and the middle were okay, and it took a really long time for the top to come in. Yeah, and Goodyear, uh, their tire fall-off was great, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people want to see. Uh, the tire fall-off was great, and I think what helped the cup race at the end especially was there was a lot of people on different pitch strategies where, uh, especially at the back end of the field where they took wave rounds, um, and needed to get back on the lead lap because there were so many cars a lap down that they tried to, uh, you know, get a little aggressive with their strategy. And certain people were pitted at different times because of what you talked about earlier, where certain teams decided to take that last stage and try and split it in half, and other teams tried to split it in thirds. So that really changed up the strategy a lot, and I think it helped the passing at the end because uh, certain teams are on certain di- different tire strategies. Um, and I think that really helped the racing. I think Holmes is a good track. I think the problems this weekend, if you had a problem this weekend, I thought clean air was a big issue. Uh, if you had a problem this weekend, though, I don't think it was for Homestead itself. I don't look at that problem as clean air and say, well, it's just Homestead Miami Speedway. I look at it like we've talked about all year long. It's a mile-and-a-half problem. Uh, it's a problem on a mile-and-a-half we've seen for a lot of years now. I think we need to continue to work on the product, especially in a mile-and-a-half program, to, to um, take the downforce away take away the aerodynamics of these race cars to where, you know, you can't even breathe on a car too hard and it messes up your fender and we can't, and also that the leader gets away because of clean air. I think if we look at that and and change that up a little bit and help reduce all of that, I think the sport would be better off for sure. Well, 
Truex said it flat out in his post-race press conference. He found a lane where he could take air off of the car going up top and air going off the car in the bottom. So if the car up front is pushing that big of a hole that it messes up the top and bottom grooves, that means NASCAR has a um, package problem, not the track, because the track at Homestead Miami Speedway, it's aged well enough that it runs phenomenal. You've got a top, middle, and bottom groove. Um, you can have cars passing all day long. Um, like I said, you probably saw the best race, one of the best races in the history of NASCAR that isn't a restrictor plate where it's everybody uh, moving puzzle pieces. But, I mean, that race between Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards is as good a race you ever saw. So it isn't Homestead. It's the package. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I totally echo that uh, for sure. So, Moving on to the Xfinity Series, the championship race this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway, NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, William Byron was kind of champion. Uh, Cole Custer won his first career NASCAR Xfinity Series race. He put a whipping on the field, but 182 of 200 laps. Uh, Tyler Reddick was the only other driver to lead. He led 18 laps early. He uh, sat on the pole. Reddick led 18 laps. Then Custer got him and really ran away with the rest of the race. We only had two cautions that entire uh, Xfinity race. And those were the two stages. So it was a long green flag run, and Custer really put a whip it on him. Only eight cars were on the lead lap at the end of that thing. Uh, it was a, a dominant performance by Cole Custer to win his first career Xfinity Series race. So good for him. Happy to see that. Byron was your champion, but there was a lot of controversy at the end. Um, you know, it was a good battle for the last, really, that last, throughout that whole last stage between William Byron and Elliot Sadler. Uh, they were sort of leaning on each other. Sadler would get in front of Byron, then Byron would get in front of Sadler, then Sadler would get in front of Byron again. And he was in front of Byron when he was starting to work on Ryan Priest for the third position. Uh, Sadler was running fourth, Byron was fifth, and, and Priest was running third. And Sadler just could not get around Ryan Priest. Now, Ryan Priest was driving the 18 car this weekend for Joe Gibbs Racing in a one-off deal uh, with the 18 car. Safe web auto glass on the car. Um, this is a guy who won a race in the Xfinity Series earlier in the year. He's a great, well, and modified driver, has a ton of talent um, out there running for really his life. Um, so Sadler couldn't get by him. It ended up being that, that uh, after that, Byron was able to catch Elliott Sadler. Then he was able to pass Ryan Priest. And once he got Ryan Priest, Sadler couldn't get past Priest. Once Byron got past him, it was really – his championship to win, and William Byron won it uh, with Sadler in eighth. Justin Allgaier finished in a 12th spot, a disappointing day for him, and uh, the guy who I really felt the worst for was Daniel Hemrick. Hemrick was up in the top ten, up top, really up in the top five, had a chance to really capitalize on the championship. I thought his car was very good. They were maybe an adjustment away from really uh, being a contender for a win from that race. They had a battery issue that put him way in the back, uh, he finished about 13, 14 laps down in the 34th spot. Uh, so a disappointing day for Daniel Hemrick. What do you think about William Byron? This kid won uh, four races this year in the Xfinity Series. We know he's moving a cup next year. Uh, he was the deserving champion, John, all year. I think he had, especially in his second half, he really uh, came on like gangbusters there. That, and that nine team was really great all year. What are your thoughts on William Byron uh, winning the championship in the Xfinity Series? Well, one of the things William Byron has done since he's come to NASCAR is everything he's been in, he's dominated. Um, Johnny Sauter won the 2016 Truck Series champion, championship. William Byron was the best on the track all year long. 
and he had a blown engine, which cost him the rate. I mean, cost him everything. Um, series last year, he comes up to the Xfinity series and he beat some of the cup drivers. It was like the year Chase Elliott won the Xfinity series championship with junior motorsports. He was able to beat cup drivers to win championship, win the race. Um, he wasn't in the zip code this in uh, this race, but he was good enough for what he had to be. And where Elliot Sadler was bitching, whining, and moaning about Ryan Priest not letting him go around to keep battling with Byron for the uh, driver's championship, Ryan Priest in the 18 car. And the 18 car and the 22 were battling for the owner's championship, which wound up going to the 22 because Sam Hornish finished second. But Priest was trying to win a championship for Joe Gibbs Racing. And if I'm Joe Gibbs and I've got Ryan Priest in this car and he's been phenomenal in everything he's driven this year, I'm not going to, I mean, if he pulls over and lets Sadler go by to let them battle for the uh, driver's championship and you give away the owner's championship, you're not hopping in my car next year. I want you to give everything you got on every lap you got so we have a chance to win win a trophy on the driver's, I mean, on the owner's end. And Ryan Priest did what he was supposed to do for Joe Gibbs Racing. And whenever they had the confrontation after the after the race and Sadler wants to go after him, and Priest is just standing there saying, I had a job to do. I did what I was supposed to do. I was trying to win an owner's championship for Joe Gibbs Racing. You can't argue with what Priest was trying to do. It was Sadler, and I understand it. Sadler's been in the hunt every year that he's been in junior motorsports. And Sadler is on the downside of his career. He wants to win a championship in some form, some form or fashion before he retires. And this one got away from him. And William Byron won it. And William Byron's going to the Cup Series next year. So it's going to be Elliot Sadler and Al Geyer and um, Tyler Reddick being the three guys from Junior Motorsports who are going to have a chance to win a championship next year and whoever's going to be the fourth which probably is going to be somebody, whoever's the full-time driver, Christopher Bell at Joe Gibbs Racing. I think you can almost pencil those four in already as your final four when you get to Homestead next next November. Yeah, listen, and I was going to touch on that for sure. I mean, first of all, let me give my, my thoughts on Byron. I think Byron is a, a superb driver. I think he's a little bit on the dole as far as, as far as personality goes, but this kid can wheel a race car. You talked about it, John. You know, he sh- should have won a championship in the trucks last year. He won, I think, seven races and 22 starts last year in the truck series. Unbelievable driving uh, for Cobblish Motorsports. This year moves to junior motorsports. Got off to a little bit of a sluggish start. I think a lot of people thought, well, this kid's going to come right in from the truck series, go to Xfinity, and win races. And it didn't start off good for William Byron. But, man, when that middle part of the year, and they started going to these racetracks a second time, he just took off and really had a great second half of the year and deserved to win that championship. I thought he was the best car all year long. Um, and he passed, you know, he passed Ryan Priest without, with pretty much ease. You know, it didn't take him as long to get around Ryan Priest as it took Elliot Sadler. And it doesn't matter to me if Ryan Priest is running for a owner's championship or not. You do not move out of the way to let these guys run for the championship. Who does Elliot Sadler think he is? I'm sorry. You're out there to win. And if you want somebody to give you the championship, maybe you don't, have the, you don't deserve the right to win it. That's the way I look at it. This is a hard sport. 
And I feel bad for Sadler because, like you said, he's been in this series now for eight years, has never really has never won the championship, has come close a few times, and I understand why he's upset because, you know, he wanted to win it this year so badly with everything that's going on, um, and he had, he had a really good chance to win it this year, and he lost. I understand the frustration on his part wholeheartedly. I get it. I think it's it's stinks for him. It really does, and it's frustrating. But do not get out of that race car and do what he did on Saturday. I'm sorry. To, to blame Ryan Priest like he did on Saturday is absolutely insane. And we have the comments here for you on Talking Circles right now. Here's Sadler, what he said about Ryan Priest at the end of that race uh, on Saturday night. Whenever he cost us the championship, and he's not even racing anybody. And uh, was holding us down in the nine, but it never got to us for that. So I don't, if you're going to race people like that in this sport, you're not going to make it very far. you got to have respect. So uh, it's definitely uh, a shame to be that close and uh, not pull it off. I just uh, appreciate uh, my race team. I, I let them down tonight. I should have took care of business when I got to Ryan. But, uh, appreciate my main financial and all those guys for being here tonight. It's just uh, definitely a letdown to lose one like this. A couple of things. Now, Clayton, one of the things I, I want to say that, Clayton, is Ryan Priest didn't change his lane. It wasn't like he was going high to block Sadler and then going low to block Sadler. Ryan Priest was running his line. And if Sadler can't get around him while this guy's running his line, guess what? Your car's not fast enough. Deal with it. And, it's not Ryan Priest's fault. I don't understand what he's saying when he says, you're going to run people like that. What did he do wrong? First of all, you said I should have wrecked him when I got to him, basically, and the comments we just heard. You want to win a championship that way? I think that's totally bogus. If anybody wrecks anybody to win a championship, I think we look at that and go, that's a real crappy way to win a championship. A, B, Ryan Priest ran you with respect. He didn't do anything wrong. Like you said, he didn't change his lanes. He didn't do anything wrong. He ran his his heart out, and that's what he's paid to do. That's what he's supposed to do. You know, and I'm not trying to say Elliot Sadler's in this boat because he's not. But there's a lot of people in the Xfinity Series out there who are running out there on their daddy's dime, who are running out there with, because they have the sponsorship. Ryan Treese doesn't have that opportunity. He doesn't have the funding behind him like the other drivers do. He's a talented race car driver who doesn't get the opportunity to run full-time, and that's a crying shame. And he's, every race he runs is a proving ground to maybe some sponsor going, I want him in that race car. I want to... I want him to be the driver of my race car. So he shouldn't let Elliot Sadler go. And, I again, I get Sadler. I understand what he's saying when he's complaining, saying we should have won the championship. You know, I'm dejected. I get that. And it's going to take him a while to get over it. He might go to the next year and still have sour taste in his mouth. You know, um, and I understand that. And I think it's good for Sadler to be upset. If I was an Elliot Sadler fan, I would be – happy that he's upset as far as he cares. He's that passionate about winning. That's a good thing. Um, but to blame Ryan Priest and say he cost us a championship, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. You know, you could have passed him. It wasn't like he was. He totally took you out. If he took, you know, I feel worse for Brennan Poole. What happened to Brennan Poole on, at Phoenix last week when a guy who shouldn't have been approved to run the Xfinity Series race was approved and completely changed his line and screwed up Brennan Poole completely and took him out of the championship. I feel bad for worse for Brennan Poole than I do for Elliot Sadler because Ryan Priest did nothing wrong. And to say that, you know, if you run people that way, you're not going to last long in a sport, give me a break. He didn't do anything wrong. He ran his heart out. 
you know, Ryan Newman's the hardest guy to pass. Everybody complains, oh, Ryan Newman's the hardest guy to pass. Ryan Newman's been in the sport for a long, long time. So if you couldn't get around Ryan Priest and he was hard to pass, you know, other drivers have stayed in this sport by doing that. So uh, I just think Elliot Sadler was so wrong. Listen, and I, I'm an Elliot Sadler guy. I like him, but I lost a lot of respect for him on Saturday. And, I, and you know, I hope for him that he comes out a, a week or two from now to listen. I look back at the tapes. You know, Priest didn't really do anything wrong. I was frustrated. We're all human. We all say stupid things. We all do stupid things when we're angry um, and we're upset. And I totally get why he was upset. But to me, to blame the championship and to blame Ryan Priest and to give Ryan Priest uh, a bad name at the end of that race, that was utterly, utterly wrong. And as far as people complaining about how Kyle Busch is a sore loser all the time, I've never seen a, a, sore, a worse sore loser than Elliot Sadler on Saturday. And, again, I'm okay with it because I want my job to be passionate. But if you're an Elliott Sadler fan and you complain about Kyle Busch being a sore loser, that was nothing. Kyle Busch has done nothing even close coming out and blaming a guy for costing the championship like Sadler did. I thought that was totally wrong on Saturday. I agree with you, Clayton. And one of the things I was um, just because, I mean, we can go on and on about Sadler not being graceful about losing. I mean, he ran his heart out. He did the best he could. He couldn't get by Ryan Priest, and he was pissed off about it. It wasn't Ryan Priest's fault he couldn't get, get by him. Ryan Priest was running his race. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about Saturday, since you were there, Clayton, and I was listening to Sam Hornish on with Moody this afternoon, and Hornish finished second, and he was in third most. And he was saying, yeah, I could have stunk up the show myself. Because we were that good. But Cole Custer was in a different zip code than um, Sam Hornish in the 22 car. And I was saying before, just a few minutes ago, I mean, you can almost bank Allgaier, uh, Daniel Hammer, I mean, uh, Tyler Reddick, Sadler, and Christopher Bell for the final four next year. After that race, Cole Custer ran on Saturday. What do you think about him going forward? Listen, I like us. I think he's a good driver. Um, we haven't seen the consistency. We've seen flashes. Saturday was certainly a big flash. I mean, he kicked everybody's tail. I mean, uh, I I was stunned. And, and let's just say this. Let's lay it out on the line here quick. Ford puts a lot of pressure on their drivers. Joe Logano alluded to it in the pre-race uh, at Homestead. They put a lot of pressure on their drivers to win one of these races, to win these races, to run really good at Homestead because they sponsored the entire weekend they want to see their drivers in victory lane. They won the owners' championship in Xfinity. They won the Truck Series race, um, and they were they wanted the people to win the Cup Series race as well. The Ford guys. They put a lot of so Ford and the Ford teams put a lot of emphasis on this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway because they sponsor the race. Um, so keep that in mind. But we saw Custer had very good. I think uh, it was Chicago. He had a really good car before the handling got away from him. I want to see Custer be consistent before I consider him a championship contender. Um, but he's, you know, he's shown flashes. I mean, in the truck series, he, he had some very nice runs there uh, while he was running for junior motorsports and stuff like that. Um, and this is another flash. He seems like a kid that uh, if everything gets underneath him, he can win races. I'm curious to see how he does next year. You know, it wasn't a, a year when you look at Cole Custer's year, it wasn't a, a thing where you sat there and you said he had a tremendous year. He had a decent year. I think a lot of people maybe expect a little bit more from him. But next year is going to be his year where we're going to sit there and say, can this kid 
compete for championship, compete for wins on a regular basis. Um, that's going to be his, his proving ground. I think he's a good kid. I think he's got the opportunity to do everything he needs to do. I mean, his dad's at Stuart Haas Racing. That's a big help to him that Joe Custer, a big wig at Stuart Haas Racing, um, you know, worked at Gene Haas on a mission there for a while. Uh, that's a big help to him. So he's going to have prime equipment. Um, but I'll tell you, that was very, very, very impressive what he did on Saturday. Uh, he just kicked everybody's tail, um, and he did it gracefully, you know. And um, it was, it was, you know, as as much as you don't like seeing somebody sync up the show, it was really amazing to watch because it was a kid, a sort of a coming out party, you know. So, um, you know, I think he's a, he's got an opportunity, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't, I think he, if he could be competitive, it would really throw a wrench into things in the Xfinity Series Championship next year. Um, so I hope he can because it'd be really cool to watch for sure. I think one of the things as you look at Cole Custer is that's a first year. Series team before this year, and as you saw the team grow throughout the season, and Tony Stewart alluded alluded to it in the post race press conference, Cole Custer had the best finishing position of the Xfinity regulars on the mile and a half tracks. So if Cole can start getting the road courses and the shorter tracks down, I mean, as always, the restrictor plate is just pure pure luck. Whatever happens around you. Um, and if you're in the right line at the right time, you have a chance to win the uh, restrictor plate race. But I think with Cole Custer having the best finishing position of the Xfinity regulars on the mile and a half, and that's the bread and butter of the series, I think he's, I mean, this is, like you said, a coming out party for him. And Tony Stewart said flat out, we're looking forward to 2018 because this team was just put together this year. It's growing. And we'll see how it ends up doing. And now they have the 98 as like a second car at Stuart Haas Racing. So they actually have somebody to compare notes with. Yeah, that's going to be huge. Uh, I think, um, you know, getting a full-time second car team in there is really going to help that organization. Um, you know, like I said, William Myers in championship, he, he, he's the guy who, uh, a kid who's going to, to the Cup Series, we know his deal. Um, and again, he deserved to win the championship. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking circles. Clayton Cole, John Hollow. The third race of the weekend. John was Friday night. Ford EcoBoost two hundred. Chase Briscoe and a Ford went to victory lane. He had the best truck all day there, I think, as well. Uh, Christopher Bell was his champion. Um, a a kid who has got a lot of skill, a lot of talent. Uh, we saw him, you know, uh, really um, perform well in the Xfinity Series this year as well when he was in those cars. Got his first win earlier in the year in the Xfinity Series in only eight races. Moving full-time to the Xfinity Series next year. Had five wins this year in 23 starts um, and won the championship. Christopher Bell, I think, John, was the best truck at Kyle Busch Motorsports all year long. Best truck in the truck series all year long. He won the championship, beat Johnny Sauter, finished third. Then it was Ryan Truex, Austin Sindrick, Matt Crafton. Uh, those are your championship four, Crafton, Sindrick, Sauter, and Bell. Uh, and that was Stuart Friesen, Grant Enfinger, Justin Haley, and Timothy Peters rounded out your top ten. What were your thoughts on the Ford EcoBoost 200 and Christopher Bell winning the championship on Friday night? Well, I think Christopher Bell's had the best year of all the uh, Truck Series drivers, and he's going to end up going. He's going to Joe Gibbs Racing to drive Xfinity next year. And you see the amount of money that um, Toyota pours into Kyle Busch Motorsports to develop drivers. Um, last year. The only time we, I mean, we saw Christopher Bell, uh, he made the playoffs and everything. 
but Christopher Bell was the clay that hasn't been molded yet. Um, you saw him run really good at Eldora, but I mean, he was a crapshoot. He could run great one weekend and he could take out half the field the next. Um, but as he matured and he kept getting better and better and the team never gave up on him and Kyle Busch winds up winning a, another championship in the truck series and Christopher Bell just dominated the year. I mean, as the playoffs went on, it started looking like Sauter was going to have a chance at it because he started getting hot at the right time, the same way he did last year. And Johnny Sauter is one of them crafty veterans who finds his way to get stuff done. Matt crafted in the 88 for uh, Thor Sport. I'll be honest with you, I still don't think they've regrouped yet from the fire because they were always championship contenders. They were race-winning contenders all the time before the fire hit the Thor Sport uh, shops in Ohio. And I don't think they've really recovered from it yet. They're still probably spending more money. Re- they spent more money probably rebuilding the shop than they expected because, I mean, insurance is always slow to catch up. So probably some of the cash flow used to go into bidding parts and pieces for the trucks went into rebuilding the building. They may catch up next year, but I think this year the fire. I think it was great that um, um, Chase Briscoe won the race in the final race for Brad Keselowski Racing. Uh, Austin Sindrick did better than expected um, driving for Keselowski, and it was a good season. I mean, I'll tell you, I love watching the trucks run. They find a way to put on an entertaining show every time they go out. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think um... – the truck series race was great. It was great to watch. It was fun to watch. And, and I echo a lot of the stuff you said, you know, Crafton to me, um, like you said, they just didn't have the speed this year. He was good, got into the chase. You know, he was only into the playoffs, I should say, because of his win at Eldora. He really impressed me there because he's not a dirt from a dirt background. And to go out there and beat Stuart Friesian, who has a million wins on the dirt tracks, uh, like he did at Eldora, that was very, very impressive. Um, so, that that was a good good to see from there. I think Austin Cindric was a little raw this year, a rookie this year, a little raw. You know, you had a team closing down, so I think that uh, had a lot to do with his championship run as well. And Sat- Salter's a great driver; he'll be back there next year as well. And then we talked about Christopher Bell, how good he was. But um, you know, the Truck Series, we still don't know who's going to be around there next year, what teams are going to be around there next year. And, but they're always fun to watch, no doubt about it. I think they're great. Um, it was a great race to watch on Friday. Uh, and something that, um, you know, I can't wait to watch the next truck race next year because they're always fun to watch. Um, so we'll see, you know, interesting year for a guy like, uh, and we'll talk about, we'll give our, our team previews, our team reviews, I should say, our season reviews next week. I'm talking in circles here. But, uh, you know, another guy who had a good year was John, John Hunter Mimicek. Uh I think the team peaked in the middle of the year. I think at the end of the year they sort of, you know, uh, the finances caught up to that team a little bit, and unfortunately weren't, they weren't able to compete for the championship. Um, but another solid year for Truck Series. A little unfortunate to see Red, what happened to Red Horse Racing. Very unfortunate to see uh, that Brad Kozlowski shutting his team down as well. But, you know, they're having composite bodies next year, it sounds like. They're going to have um, uh, uh, crate engines next year, it sounds like. So it, maybe the cost will come down a little bit in the Truck Series and help some things for sure. Uh Moving on, John, um, some interesting news came out this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. I know where I was sitting, I was 
getting ready for, I believe it was the Xfinity Series or Truck Series race at Homestead on Friday. It was Friday, so I was getting ready for the Truck Series race at Homestead Miami Speedway, actually cup qualifying. And uh, the news came out about Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick's career, full-time career, is over in the Cup Series. She will run one more race, the Daytona 500 in February. Then her NASCAR career is over. Then she will run one more race in her racing career, the Indianapolis 500 in May next year, and then she will no longer race. Um, you know, there were some rumors out there she might have a ride. There was rumors out there she was going to go to RCR. Um, they, obviously, that has now fizzled out. She will not go to RCR. There were some rumors maybe that she might go to Rash. That has fizzled out as well. Um, so right now, Danica Patrick's uh, in, in sort of the same boat as Matt Kenseth and Dale Earnhardt Jr., where, hey, she's done at the end of this year, basically. We've got one more race left in her in Daytona. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Danica Patrick leaving NASCAR here, John? Well, I it's kind of twofold. First of all, she was a groundbreaker and a trendsetter. I mean, Janet Guthrie and Shauna Robinson in the Cup Series at some point. But for Danica's first Cup race to take the pole at Daytona, and Danica Patrick was always a sponsor's dream. I mean, don't get me wrong, Shauna Robinson, Janet Guthrie, Patty Moise, all decent drivers. But they didn't look as good as Danica. Danica has been in a Super Bowl ad 14 times. I don't know if anybody's been in the Super Bowl ad 14 times. Cindy Crawford didn't get 14 with Pepsi. I mean, that says how good this young woman was at marketing. She she was a brand. And she talked about it in her press conference that this is the first time she's ever had sponsor trouble. The only, to- the only reason GoDaddy left is because they changed CEOs. If Bob Parsons was still the CEO of GoDaddy, Danica Patrick would have a full-time ride somewhere, and GoDaddy would sponsor her until the cows came home. But the CEO and the CEO went in a different direction, so they pulled all motorsport sponsorships. Um, what she accomplished at NASCAR was nothing to write home about what she could do in an Indy car is different than a NASCAR. And she just never could. I mean, if you remember the old days of thunder, when Robert Duvall was telling Tom Cruise about how to drive a NASCAR, you've got wider tires and half the weight on an Indy car. And you got twice the weight and less tire in a NASCAR. So the tire is going to go way faster. And she just could never, ever get the handling and get a crew chief who could understand what she needed in a car. Tony Gibson was starting to get there, but they put Tony Gibson with Kurt Busch, and that wound up doing really well for Stuart Haas Racing. I think Danica Patrick was there because she was bringing a sponsor paycheck for a good deal of her time. And whenever the Nature's Bakery problem kicked up in the off season, that was the first sign of Danica going away. Uh-huh. Yep. And never, she um, couldn't break. I mean, she never broke top twenty-five in points. Maybe she did. Maybe she finished twenty-fifth once, but she was always a twenty-sixth, twenty-seventh, twenty-eighth place finisher in points. And when you're trying to run a four-car operation like Tony Stewart and Gene Haas are, and when you're having sponsor issues because Haas Automation is on 
uh, Clint Boyer's car three-quarters of the season, and it's on Kurt Busch's car half of the season, there's only so much money Gene Haas is going to throw out there. And if you're not bringing in sponsorship dollars, which Danica didn't this year because the issue with Nature's Bakery, um, there's no need for her. And when Smithfield came and said, I want to be part of a real good organization, and they left Richard Petty Motorsports to go to Stuart Haas, the writing was definitely on the wall because Smithfield wanted Eric Stroll. And it could be in the sponsorship. And she got to the point where she actually had her agent, instead of digging for sponsorship to try to make sure she could get into, I mean, make sure she could keep this competitive ride, they wound up selling her workout brand, selling her book, selling her clothing line. They're marketing her other stuff instead of trying to get her sponsorship in the Cup Series. So you knew it was a pretty much done deal. I think the uh, Daytona 500 and Indy 500 idea is a pretty cool one. But I, as I told you whenever the announcement was made, I actually got a sick feeling about it. Because running a one-off at Indy, when you haven't been in an Indy car for a long time, is possibly a recipe for disaster. I mean, look at Danny Weldon. Dan Weldon was as good of an Indy car driver as there was. And Dan Weldon's no longer with us because of, if you wreck an Indy car, it isn't a hit the wall, a little bit of fire, you're still able to call. If you wreck a car hard, your life is in danger. And that's one of the things that makes me nervous about this. Um, I think she's going to be in a competitive ride. I think they've already said she's talking to Chip Ganassi where he has the ability to run a third car at Daytona and he has the ability to run another car at Indy. So and Roger Penske's already said, Nope, not me. Not going to be, not going to be one of my cars. So it's going to be, if she's going to be in a competitive ride, it's either going to be with Chip Ganassi for both or maybe Chip Ganassi uh, or some, or Childress ends up putting her in a car for Daytona. And she finds a way to work with Bobby Rahal again at uh, Indy. Yeah, listen, when I think about her career, you know, off the track, what she did, you know, I don't think that can be uh, knocked. You know, she she brought in definitely a uh, group of fan a fan base that, um, you know, was alienated as far as you can say because there wasn't a whole lot of female drivers. You talked about Sean Robinson. You hit Janet Guthrie. Uh, Lynn St. James for a while and, and open wheel. Uh, had Maurice for sure. Um, but on the track, she she was disappointment. You know, um, I don't know if she would have been helped by having more Xfinity Series races under her belt before going to Cup. Uh, I don't know if that would have helped her or not. But she was certainly rushed up because GoDaddy was paying a lot of money and they said, we want to be in the Cup Series, Premier Series. And she had seven top ten finishes in 190 starts and pretty much Hendrick Motorsports stuff. She wasn't that good in the vicinity before she got moved up. She was 10th in points in 2012 with four top 10 finishes and 33 starts. I mean, that's unbelievable for junior motorsports. That's bad. Um, and never had more than three top 10s in a year. Uh, her highlight is the pole with Daytona. And we've heard so many drivers tell you, Jimmy Johnson, everybody, you know, you, you can basically all you got to do is hold the wheel. It's, it's basically, uh, you know, easy as can be to qualify at Daytona. So um, as far as the driving skill goes, 
she was a disappointment. I mean, 27th, 28th, 24th, 24th, and 28th in points in her five years in Cup. That's not going to get it done, and you knew eventually that her being in Cup wasn't going to be enough anymore. Eventually, it was not going to be enough, and it's no longer enough. Um, you know, if she want, you know, I think she was more, and I remember times in her career where she was awful in points, and she's, you know, jumping in front of a camera on pit road having a good time. You know, and, and a lot of people said, well, you're overreacting with that. And I always said to him, what would Dale Earnhardt do if he was 28th in points? Jimmy Johnson do if he was 28th in points? You know what they would be doing? I'm sure the last thing on their mind would be jumping in front of a camera and having a good time on pit road before a race. That would be the last thing. That would be the furthest thing from their mind. Um, so I'm not sure how serious she took this. Uh, and... At the end of the day, you know, again, what she did off the track was great. But on the racetrack, she was a major disappointment. Um, Stuart Haas Racing was, was prime equipment. It was good equipment. So anybody who tells you that that's not good, of equip, good equipment is lost. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, her on-track performance just wasn't good enough. And uh, that's why she's out of a ride. So One of the um, things I'm wondering is how much did Danica hurt other women? look whenever she was coming up joanna long she was a good driver she was just in crap equipment all the time and she could never get in that never crack that good equipment mode chrissy wallace was coming up through the system and she was going to be a good little driver and she could never crack the system to get sponsorship and good equipment danica was able to pull the sponsorship because danica compared to every other woman who's driven a race car in the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, even IndyCar, Danica is head and shoulders more attractive than all of the other ones. And that helped bring sponsorship in. And there were a lot of young girls who saw Danica and thought, okay, I want to be like her. And there were more families. I mean, there were more young girls who were wearing Danica Patrick T-shirts because she was somebody they could look up to. But I think her performance hurt other women who have been coming up through the system to where they couldn't get um, the ride that they needed because here's Danica with full funding and in a top-notch team, and she's pulling 24th, 25th, 28th place finishes on a regular basis. I mean, she ran, what, five full seasons and seven top tens. How much does that actually hurt the uh, future of women coming up in the sport? And, and I don't think there's anybody right now um, down the line that you can see that will be the next uh, great female driver at least. It'll be at least five years, I think, before we get someone even close. 917-889-8280 here. Join the conversation on Talking in Circles. Like Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. What do you want to talk about tonight? I'll continue with the Danica talk for sure. Um, you know, John, you mentioned the GoDaddy sponsorship. She still has a personal services deal with them. And to me, if it was if she wasn't selling their product, uh, I think you know they would pull out pull that out completely. The problem is she wasn't selling it on the racetrack. And I think if she was running up front and winning races, they may not have moved the Parsons guy out of the position to begin with because she would have been selling the product on the racetrack to begin with. Um, you know, that, that, I think that's kind of an excuse to hide behind because they look at it and they go, "Well, the CEO changed. Yeah, well, the CEO probably changed." Because they looked at it and they said, why are we wasting $30 million on a car that's running 30th? Um, you know, if the car was running 10th, I think they, it would be a lot easier for selling. He may still have a job. That's Good number point. one. Number two, I'm not, I'm not worried about her running uh, Indianapolis 
Kurt Busch had never ran an Indy car in his life and, and ran sixth in Indianapolis. There's so much leading into Indy. There's so much practice all the days of qualifying. If it was another race, I totally would understand and completely agree with you. But at Indianapolis, there's so much that leads into it that I think she'll be able to find her groove, what little groove she did have even in an Indy car, uh, you know, pretty quickly there. You know, Danica, I think the the problem there was a lot of people that were that were in her corner from the start. And to me, she didn't treat the fans very great. She wasn't very accommodating to the media um, until everything started to go south this year. And she kind of had the attitude of nobody's ever going to knock me down. She had a Daryl Waltrip attitude. Nobody's ever going to knock me down. I'm Danica Patrick. I'll always have a ride. I don't care how I perform on the racetrack. I'm going to you know, worry about everything else off the racetrack other than coming to the racetrack and, and, you know, on Sunday. If I'm not fast, it's everybody else's problem but mine. And she never changed that attitude, even towards the end. She never blamed herself. And I think if you're, if you're an athlete that likes success, that is successful, the first person you blame, even if it's not you, is yourself. And I think we've seen that in a lot of tremendously great athletes. Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals are not blaming Hendrick Motorsports. They're not blaming the equipment. They're not blaming anything right now. You know who Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals are blaming? Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals are blaming themselves. Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals. They're not blaming anybody else. They're not blaming pressure. They're not blaming the sponsor. They're not blaming, you know, anything. They're blaming Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals for their lack of success this year. And that's what successful people do. And, every, and, and listen, let us learn a lesson for the next driver that comes through. Let's just say Bubba Wallace, the next driver that's different. Let us learn a lesson. Do not shove them down our throat. And do not hold their hand the whole way through and continually year after year, race after race, make excuses and pat them on the back for running 15th in great equipment. Let's not do that because look what happened to Annika Patrick. She's gone five short years after her cup career started. And you know what? All the hype and everything it took to get her here, it wasn't worth it in my opinion for this little amount of cup races. I don't, I mean, I think you're right on Lee. Um, When it comes to Danica, there's, she was not the, I mean, she was great in a photo shoot, she was great in a promo, but if you wanted an interview with her, I mean, you look, every wreck she was in, it was somebody else's fault. Um, her crew couldn't get the handling on the car. It wasn't that she didn't give good feedback. Um, it was always somebody else's fault. And whenever you're saying about great athletes, my favorite player in the history of football is Tom Brady. And if you hear Tom Brady after the Patriots lose the game, and he could throw for 575 yards and seven touchdowns, and for some reason it's his fault they lost the game. Not that the defense was leaking like a sieve, not that uh, four punts were blocked or whatever. It was somehow Brady's fault that they lost the game. Uh, Lee, one of the things I want to ask you about um, while we got you on here, Dale Jarrett last night in NASCAR America said he thinks Matt Kenseth may not be done. He could replace Kurt Busch in the 41 at Stuart Haas Racing. What are your thoughts? What are you hearing? Well, I'll tell you, it, it's one of those deals, John, where every single time, every single day this lingers on with the Kurt Busch deal, you start to think more and more something else is going to go wrong. I was having this discussion today earlier with somebody else, and, and it was like, okay, well, we've known for a while that Kurt's been the guy and the, and the Matt Kenseth thing picked up a little steam there for a little bit. And I heard, heard that Ford was looking to maybe pay Matt Kenseth's contract, etc. And then all of a sudden I, the next week I heard, I don't know, Matt's totally out of the deal. Matt's not going to have a ride and Kurt Busch is having this ride. 
but it's taken now a long time. And I still think I still think part of the holdup is the monster sponsorship and what what's going to come out of that. But I look at it and I say, well, if Kurt doesn't get this deal done shortly here, this could linger on to a point of concern. And if Monster does pull out, where do they go? Does Kurt just sign for less money? Or does if let's just say Monster does say, okay, yes, we're going to come back, does then at that point Gene Haas and, and Tony Stewart look around and go, you know what? Damn it, Matt Kenseth's available. Why don't we sign him instead of Kurt Busch? Kurt Busch is a great driver. He's a champion. He's got the last championship, but he's not Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth's had a lot of success over the last 10 years. Kurt Busch has had, you know, there's been a lot of things that Kurt Busch have done, has done in his career that makes a sponsor go, eek. Monster's been able to live with that because they like sort of an edgy guy. But Matt Kenseth's the kind of guy where, yeah, if you can get the Monster deal, which it's, you know, kind of in line and, and they split the schedule with Haas CNC, Haas Automation, if you could, you could get another sponsor to come on and sign on for four or five races with Matt Kenseth because Matt Kenseth, you know, isn't going to do that. He's not, you know, he's not going to, you know, fly off the handle at certain situations, make your sponsor look bad. You know, that's not the case with Matt Kenseth. Kurt Busch, you can't even at, even at the age of 39, you can't look that look at that and say, you know what, boy, Kurt Busch isn't going to do that because the past has proven so many times over and over and over and over and over again that it could happen. And, you know, I like Kurt. Kurt's a tremendous competitor. And, and as bad as it is that Matt Kenseth doesn't have a ride, it will be just as bad that the defending Daytona 500 champion and a driver with the caliber of Kurt Busch doesn't have a ride. But I think Matt Kenseth would make a lot more sense there. Now, whether or not, you know, I think there'll be some fighting between Gene Haas and Tony Stewart because I think Gene loves Kurt Busch. But Matt Kenseth is a, is a tremendous chassis guy, and I think Tony would fight hard for him. And if that does happen where Kenseth drives the, uh, you know, comes in and drives that car, boy, I, you know, I know it's so late in the year now, and it's just not going to happen. But I wouldn't be shocked if Barney Visser anteed up and put him in a car, you know, for a partial schedule next year. Because Clayton Hughes was on with Mojo Nixon on on Monday night on Manifold Destiny, and he did nothing but rant and rave about Kurt Busch and how much the people at Furniture Row love him, how much Barney loves him, how much they just adore Kurt Busch. Everybody in that organization, and so I wouldn't be shocked to see him try and bring him aboard, maybe put him in another car in 2019, but. As long, like, the fact of the matter is, the more that this drags out, the more that you sit there and wonder, okay, something's gonna, is something gonna change here because it's been going on now for three or four months. And that's and the crazy. Part. The last ten races of the season, uh, Kurt Busch averaged a nineteen point nine finish during the playoffs, and that's not getting it done. No, he struggled, and and listen, I, I think when Kurt got to Stuart Haas. I remember when that deal was announced, I said, I, I think this is going to be great. I think Kurt's going to win a lot of races this year. He's, he's going to compete for championships. I think, you know, when he's come off of what he did at Furniture Row Racing, you're looking at it going, he's going to be really good. And he's been a little bit of a disappointment. He hasn't won a ton of races there at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, and for whatever reason that is, you know, I don't think it's Kurt Busch's fault. It's just been a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit of a disappointment. But I think Lee brings up a great point as far as, as long when this drags on and continues to drag, you know, if we get into the middle of December and nothing's still done, you're going to be sitting there going, okay, now we really, now we have to look at all our options and say, who else is out there? What else can we do? I think part of the reason, and Monster, no doubt, I think is part of the reason, but I think another part of this reason is the driver's council. And I think Kurt right now is looking at it and saying, I'm holding my ground at this salary. I won't take a penny less. And the driver's council is going, that's what we want to get paid. 
That's what these veteran drivers who win races deserve to get paid. Don't take a penny less, Kurt. That's what we want to see because we know driver salaries have come down, and you have to wonder if Mac Kenseth gets a little bit out of the sport and he starts to wonder and says, man, I'm, I'm not going to be around next year. If he comes up and says to Gene Haas or Tony Stewart, listen, Kurt wants that much, I'll drive for this much. And they go, done. It could happen that quickly. Um, now, I don't know if what the holdup is officially. We can only speculate. But I think part of it is the fact that Kurt won't take a pay cut because of just stubbornness from the drivers. Um, and if that's the case, if that's Kurt holding out and saying, I need leverage, you know, the problem with Kurt Busch is he doesn't have any leverage. You know, what is, what's Kurt Busch going to say? I'm going to go drive for front row motorsports. Gene Haas is going to go ahead. Gene will get, if Gene wants Kurt Busch for less money, he will get Kurt Busch for less money because Kurt really doesn't have anywhere else to go. And the only spot left out there that's a halfway competitive ride with a charter is a 27, mm-hmm. which nobody really knows what's going to happen there. Um, because, I mean, Kurt's thinking that if Monster comes back, he's bringing money to the table because Monster was attached to Kurt Busch. If Monster attaches himself back to Stuart Haas with the Kurt Busch, like we've both, all three of us have said throughout the year, if Matt Kenseth does not have a ride, and some of the people who are filling this field do. I mean, for the love of God, Roy Black Jr., Ray Black Jr. is going to drive a cup car for a full season. I think Clayton, you, me, Lee, and Virginia, we could split it and do just as good. But Matt Kenseth is going to be sitting in Wisconsin going hunting and going to gymnastics meets to watch his daughter. That's where the sport has gone to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, no doubt about it. Lee, uh, I want to get your comments on this quick. The news that NASCAR made today about a five-man pit crew and, and limiting the amount of people that can come to a racetrack. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. I think it's going to help the finances of these teams. I think it will help even it out a little bit. But what are your thoughts on that? It's hard for me to give thoughts on it because I haven't seen it in action yet. I mean, a lot of it I really don't care about as a, as a fan. You know what? I heard a lot of people going off about it today on Twitter. I saw a lot of people people texting me about how bad it was, some people that work in the sport. And it's like, well, that, that sucks for you. But as a fan, I really, I really don't care um, about, you know, this guy or that, or that guy, as sad as it sounds. But the, the only thing would be the over the wall with the five men, you know, trying to figure out how to carry two tires now. They'll get it done, uh, in my opinion. They'll figure out a way to get it done. Uh, we may see some issues next year, though, with guys getting cars full because I have a feeling that, They'll, they're going to try and have the gas man carry the rear tire and then get handed the gas can and try and fill the car. And usually the pit stop takes longer uh, to do that. So in, in my, then the, uh, it takes longer than to fill the, car, fill the car up with gas. So I have a feeling you're going to see it sometime, maybe at sometimes next year. Guys have a lot of trouble filling, getting cars full because I, don't think, I think some drivers will pull away too quickly. Once they feel the jack drop, just, their instinct has been to pull away for the last, you know, 100 years since we've been racing. You may have to wait a little bit longer to get the car full because I have a feeling before he runs out with the gas can, the gas man, he's going to carry the rear tire and then, uh, at, least, at least for the first part of the stop, and then fill the car. And so, Late. to me, uh, you, could see that, you could see trouble there. They put a rule in that says that the, the gas man can only be gas the car. 
on fifth. Oh, time. Really? So that's gonna be that's that yes, that's a rule in the in this new uh rule, I guess you could okay. say. So that's gonna be interesting. Now, I think what you might see, and I don't mean to jump on John here quick because I want to get his opinion, but I think you might see um a team where you sit there and say Maybe a guy gasses the car and only uses a can when they really don't need it, and then he jumps over the wall. The gas man jumps over the wall. They send somebody else out to do an adjustment or something like that. So we could see games playing that where I don't know if it's five guys. It has to be the same five guys throughout the entire pit stop, or you can change, you know, have have a guy jump out, roll the tire out, and then have the gas man come out and gas the car. I don't know um, what that's like, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see how that plays out next year, John. All right, here we go, boys. Picture it now. 20-second pit stops, tires all over the place. By the time we get back from the West Coast, it'll be a six-man pit stop, six-man pit crew again. You could be right, and let me just say this. That would be totally NASCAR. It would be, <laughs> but let me just say Don't blame NASCAR for this. Point essential, uh, man. These owners, oh. these owners complained oh, about it word. and wanted, a, wanted less guys on pit road, wanted less guys on the road with them because they said the cost of getting outrageous. They wanted this, and they got it. So blame the owners on this, guys. Don't blame NASCAR if this is an absolute crap show. And uh, they'll Lee, just end up spending the money somewhere else. You're absolutely right, John. Lee and Virginia, thank you so much for calling, and uh, we'll see you next time. That was, uh, you know, Lee's a great caller all the time, John. But, um, you know, last couple of seconds here, John. Uh, We'll be back here next week. I'm excited. We're going to break down each team, give a give a quick review. Um, what were your final final words on the 2017 season? Um, I think it was a great story that Martin Truex wins the championship. I think the Truck and Xfinity Series champions of Christopher Bell and William Byron are the ones who deserved it. But it's a great story that Martin Truex winning the Cup championship. For sure. And we'll see you guys next week here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.